meat. Red meat has the, the highest creatine content, but you can also get it. It is also present in other meats as well. It is a fuel source for your brain. It enhances the function of the frontal cortical circuits, which are connected areas. Welcome back to the in situ health and fitness podcast. If you are a regular listener, you're probably thinking, "Mm, that doesn't sound like Jack, because Jack always rolls the intro. But I have a surprise for you. Today, you've just got me. There is no Jack. Today is my very first solo episode, and I am super pumped to be here. If you are a new listener, my name is Mac Rackers. I am a nutrition coach and psychology student. And I really wanted to use our podcast platform as a way for me to share all of the information that I'm learning in my psychology degree with you guys and how I think that it will benefit you to reach your health and fitness goals. So that is really what my solo episodes are going to be about. I intend to release one episode every two weeks. As for how long it goes... I really don't know. We're just going to roll with it and see what happens. And I really hope that you guys enjoy all of this information that I bring you because I'm super passionate about brain health, mental health, behavior, all of those things. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Two weeks ago, I asked my Instagram followers, what they would like to hear about if I was to ever do a solo podcast episode on brain health, women's health, etc. And the, the, the topic that definitely got the most votes, I'm going to say, was what can I eat for brain health? So in previous episodes with Jack, I have spoken about how scary brain degeneration is. But and all of the things that you can do to cause brain degeneration, but I have never really spoken about the things that you can do to prevent it in depth anyway. So today I am going to discuss with you the foods that you should consider adding into your diet and the habits that you may want to reconsider when wanting to improve your brain function and reduce cognitive decline. I'm going to discuss five nutrients that have been scientifically proven. That is just, I love it when things are scientifically proven because we know it's real to support brain health and function. This is going to include essential fatty acids, chlorine, creatine, berries, glutamine. And I'm going to go into depth about where you can get all of these things from and why you should be having them in your diet. And then in the second half of this episode, I'm going to discuss five habits that you may want to consider ditching if optimal brain health and function is important to you. These habits include sitting, social connection, sleep, stress, and alcohol. So make sure you hang around to the end. Please, guys, I really want you to have a healthy brain. It's really important to me that you have a healthy brain and you live for as long as you possibly can, okay? So before we start... I wanted to quickly go over two areas that aren't covered by nutrition, obviously, but are super important when it comes to the long-term health of your brain and your body. And if you're a long-time listener, I'm sure that you can guess what the first one is, sleep. 
Sleep is the only real time that our brain and body has to fully recover. So much happens when we are asleep. All of our cells regenerate. All of the information we learn through the day gets cemented in our brain. It is very important that we get a good night's sleep if we want to live for a long time and if we want to have a healthy brain. So I'll just quickly go over a few ways that you could improve your sleep if your sleep isn't already great. We have spoken about sleep a lot on the podcast, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. But the the first and most important thing that you can do is get a consistent sleep and wake time. So that means going to bed at the same time every night and getting up at the same time every morning. Now, I've known this to be very beneficial for a long time, but it hasn't been until recently that I have become extremely strict with this and I will say it has made an immense difference in my energy throughout the day and my ability to focus. So usually I would go to bed at roughly the same time every night and get up at the same time every morning until the weekend came around and then I'd be like you know what let's stay up later let's sleep in and you know that groggy Monday morning feeling that you get? you are causing that by not having the same sleep and wake times seven days a week. So that's just something, the first thing I want you to consider. The second thing is use light. You can manipulate light to help you feel sleepy or more alert. And what do I mean by that? So at nighttime, I'm sure you have heard Jack and I speak about blue light blockers. The best thing that you can do to help yourself fall asleep faster and have a deeper, more quality sleep is to minimize the amount of artificial light coming into your eyeballs once the sun has gone down. And obviously in this day and age, that is very hard. We have phones, TVs, tablets, Kindles, overhead lights, whatever. So we can't avoid it. The the second best thing that you can do apart from being in the complete dark for three hours at night before you go to bed is invest in some blue light blocking glasses. Now make sure they are good ones because they're pretty trendy at the minute and there's a lot that I'm pretty sure just have clear lenses but don't actually do anything. So yes, invest in some blue light blocking glasses and you can wear them after dinner for the rest of the night and I will guarantee that you start to feel sleepy within half an hour of putting them on. It's it's almost like a drug but not, so it's even better. Uh, And the last point I wanted to quickly touch on about sleep is having a good night routine and a good morning routine. So you might have heard someone somewhere on the World Wide Web say before that a morning routine sets up your sleep for the coming night. And that is extremely true. So I think a lot of emphasis is usually focused on having a good nighttime routine, like the lights that I just mentioned and yoga and reading and meditation and journaling and whatever but it's also very important to have a good morning routine ideally in the morning you want to get up at the same time every day like I already said and you want to get up as soon as you wake up if you can and don't jump on social media or anything straight away because that it's a little bit stressful okay and it's probably going to I don't know but for me personally it's sort of It really wrecks my focus if I have spent half an hour in the morning scrolling on social media and then I try to sit down and do focused work. I'm almost like, I have like an itch. I just want to go back and keep scrolling. So try and avoid your phone for as long as you can. 
And the next thing I would say is get outside. Get some sunlight in your eyeballs. Go for a 20-minute walk, a five-minute walk even. Anything outside is better than nothing at all. The light that you're going to get in your eyes is going to set you up for the rest of the day and the next night and then the next day. So it's it's a very simple thing that you can add into your morning routine. Just even if you do it before the kids get up or I don't know, you don't have to necessarily go for a walk. Go stand out on your back deck and stretch for five minutes, drink a glass of water, anything like that. As long as you're getting light in your eyeballs in the morning, extremely important. And the other thing I would suggest to change or consider changing in your morning routine is when you have your coffee, for some reason, Australians just love to get up and have a coffee and that's their breakfast. That's the start of the day. Whereas any other country or culture, they generally have coffee like almost as an experience. So they have coffee with breakfast uh, with their family while they're sitting around the table, coffee and croissants, coffee and I don't know, I haven't traveled much, but I do know that they like to eat their coffee, eat their coffee, oh my God, drink their coffee with food and as an experience. And if you can delay having your coffee until you have food, one, it's a lot better for your gut, two, it's a lot better for your hormones And three, you're going to feel less stressed and on edge throughout the day if you have some food in your belly before you have a coffee. Lastly, with the morning routine, you will have heard Jack and I talk about delaying your coffee consumption for up to 90 minutes in the morning. So when you wake up, your cortisol levels naturally will spike, but not immediately. So if you're having coffee as soon as you get out of bed, then it is going to artificially spike your cortisol levels and it's going to spike them much higher than your body would naturally do it, causing you to have that like three o'clock, two o'clock afternoon slump. So it's important that you try your best to delay your coffee, even if you start delaying it by 10 minutes and then half an hour and then an hour. Just you don't have to do it straight away. I know it's very hard. Trust me, I have been there. (laughs) Anyway, enough about sleep if you have any sleep questions like I could do a whole episode on sleep alone so I'm just gonna leave it there the next point before we get into food is cardiovascular health and resistance training we talk about this all of the time but I don't know I think that in relation to brain health sometimes it it gets overlooked because everyone trains for aesthetic purposes But I really want you if I I often and I made a post about this on social media and it got lots and lots of comments and shares and likes. I often when I don't feel like training for aesthetic purposes, when I'm feeling unhappy with my body or not satisfied with my results or just down in the dumps generally, I like to use the fact that training also benefits my mental health my brain health my internal health and just forget about aesthetics for a second because it it, it can be disheartening if you are always training for aesthetics and let me tell you that your brain health heart health lung health every everything internally is far more important 
than how you look externally. So I'm getting off topic. Anyway, <laughs> cardiovascular health and resistance training is is super important because when you do these things, your heart is pumping blood around your body. It's pumping blood to all of your ligaments, organs, everywhere. And that includes to your brain. And you need blood to be pumped to your brain so that you can get the nutrients that you need to have a healthy functioning brain. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about cardiovascular health and training. Actually, one more thing, one more thing. (laughs) You should aim for a minimum of 180 minutes a week. That that's the recommended minimum. And that's pretty low. Like personally I would say you should aim for three resistance training sessions a week and probably three cardio tr- sessions a week whether that be walking, running, rowing, riding, swimming, whatever it is. I think that that's a good place to start. Okay? Let's 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 get into the the food, shall we finally? Um So the foods that we eat provide the building blocks of neurons and neurons literally allow us to exist. They allow us to think, to move, to create memories, to learn, to speak, to listen to my beautiful voice (laughs) giving you this podcast episode. So neurons are extremely important and I, I believe in previous podcasts I have spoken about what happens when they start to degenerate and we start to lose our memories and struggle to focus and concentrate and learn. So I'm going to tell you today how you can have and keep healthy neurons long, long into your old age. The first area of nutrition that I'm going to talk about is fat. Fat is required to manufacture the cell membrane of every new cell being built, including in your neurons. It is required to build new cells and new synapses between neurons. So a synapses is a chemical message that gets sent from one neuron to the other. So one neuron will send the message to the other one saying, we're moving now, Um, we're on fire now, Um, I'm burning my hand now. Um, I know the answer to this trivia question. It's like a little a little zap from one to the other. So you need to have healthy neurons and and fat to grow these neurons so that they can communicate between each other. Now, what kind of fat, Mac? What what fat should I be eating? And if you know anything about brain health, you probably already know what I'm going to talk about, and that is essential fatty acids, DHA, EPA omega-3 and omega-6. Recent studies have shown that these fatty acids actually have similar positive effects as an antidepressant treatment. Isn't that crazy? I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that again. Recent studies have shown that these fatty acids have similar positive effects as an antidepressant treatment. That is how good these guys are for your brain. Now the dose in the study that I'm referring to, they, they consumed between one and three milligrams of EPA a day. So that's, that's doable. That's not much. I'm pretty sure that it's like the equivalent of one fish oil tablet, maybe. I'm not sure. And if you are considering the supplement option, because I do know that a lot of people don't generally enjoy fish, which is where omega-3, 6s and all that come from um, so a supplement might be the better option it's like 
I don't love recommending supplements, but a supplement is better than not having these essential fatty acids in your diet at all. So you could supplement with fish oil or krill oil to get the same benefits as eating fatty fish. And you would want to be supplementing between one and three milligrams daily of these supplements. However, the better option is to get these fatty acids from your food. And that would include consuming fish like salmon, tuna, mackerel, sardines, shellfish, oysters. However, you can also get a small amount of these fatty acids from plant-based foods like chia seeds, walnuts, flax seeds, and flax oil. Now, if you are on a plant-based diet, it's likely that you aren't getting one to three milligrams of these essential fatty acids. So you should maybe consider looking at a supplement option. But if you are eating fish on a regular basis through the week, like I'm saying a couple of times a week, then you should be consuming close close enough to one to three milligrams daily, but spread across the week. Okay, now personally, I'm not the biggest lover of fish. So I do put an extra emphasis on consuming chia, walnut, flax and flax oil. One way, one thing that made a massive change, improvement in my diet for me was I use flax oil as my salad dressing. So I'm having it every day. You can't really taste it. You shouldn't cook with it. But it just adds a really nice texture to your salad. Um, You can make like cookies and chia puddings and whatever with flax seeds and chia seeds and also walnuts like I'm sure that you all know that walnuts are great for your brain they're shaped like a tiny little brain so just think about brain power walnuts anyway they're a great snack so there's plenty of ways you can get essential fatty acids in your diet if you don't eat fish but if you really want to up the benefits that you can get from essential fatty acids then you should definitely look at supplementing or definitely look at consuming more fish the second nutrient i wanted to talk about was choline you may or may not have heard of acetylcholine which is a neurotransmitter that modulates your focus having enough choline will assist acetylcholine to function ultimately improving your ability to focus as well as your memory your mood and your muscle control so it is it's pretty important i'm gonna say and the best place that you can get choline from is eggs and in particular egg yolks now i don't know what it is but there seems to be a trend on social media at the minute and just in general of people just consuming egg whites now i know that egg whites have more protein in them and i know that egg yolks have more fat and for some reason people are scared of consuming the egg yolk the fat but let me tell you that that yolk has all of the nutrients in it the egg white is mostly just protein not much else but the yolk the yolk is golden the yolk is nature's multivitamin just think for a second egg yolks are actually quite impressive 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 they contain all of the nutrients required to grow an organism 
Just think about that. All of the nutrients required to grow an organism in the egg yolk. So stop throwing your egg yolks in the bin. They are the best part of the whole egg. They have the most choline out of any foods. So they are great for your brain, great for focus, great for memory, mood, great for muscle control, okay? So really just don't throw your egg yolks in the bin. The other sources, if you don't eat eggs, if you're vegan, fine, I understand. But the other sources that you can get choline from are potatoes, nuts, seeds, and fruit. Now, you can get choline from these foods, but nowhere near as much as what you can get from an egg. Now, if this sounds too hard for you to get in your diet, you can always supplement I, I, don't, I can't recommend any choline supplements because I like eggs. I like egg yolks and I eat them often. So I have never personally had to include a, a choline supplement. But you can find a supplement. And if you are looking for a supplement, you should aim to consume between 500 milligrams to one gram of choline per day. Okay. Let's move on to the star of the show, creatine. Most of you will have heard of creatine before and will probably relate it as a muscle building supplement. It doesn't necessarily do that. It actually brings water into your muscles and tissues and it gives you a more swole look. But aside from that, aside from creatine making you look swole and buff and whatever, it has so many other health benefits besides just muscle aesthetic building purposes. And research just keeps on showing all of the benefits of creatine. I'm sure you've heard Jack say it before because he says it so often. Creatine is the most studied supplement on the market. And he is not wrong. It is. There are so many studies on the benefits of creatine that you can go right now if you want. No, don't go right now. Don't you leave. Listen to the rest of this episode. And then you can go and look up the study. I will even link a review of a few studies on creatine at the on the in the what's it things, the show notes at the end of this episode. Okay? So where does creatine come from if not a creatine supplement? And the answer to that is meat, most meat. Red meat has the, the highest creatine content, but you can also get it. It is also present in other meats as well. It is a fuel source for your brain. It enhances the function of the frontal cortical circuits, which are connected areas of the brain that involved in your mood regulation and your motivation. And studies are beginning to show that creatine has a mildly positive impact on depression. The possibilities of nutrition and diet are endless. I just think that it's so cool that food can help with such a a common condition like depression. Anyway, anyway, (laughs) creatine supplements are especially useful if you aren't consuming meat. Because meat is the only place that you can get creatine from. So I really want you to consider maybe taking a supplement if you are vegan especially. And if you just want the additional benefits of creatine, like I eat meat, but I also take a creatine supplement. 
and ideally you want to look at having five grams per day which seems to be the amount that gives visible cognitive benefits. If you are considering supplement, supplementing creatine there are a lot of different strains or types on the market at the minute and honestly the most studied one and the best one and the one that I use is just creatine monohydrate. If you're looking for a supplement that is the type of creatine that you want to consume. So just to recap that creatine section because I really want to emphasize how great it is for your brain. It enhances the function of the frontal cortical circuits of your brain connected to the areas of the brain that improve not improve well yes improve if you're taking supplements but they are connected to the areas of the brain that are involved in mood regulation and motivation okay so that both of those things are really important especially if you suffer from something like depression or anxiety or you struggle to find motivation to do the things that you know you need to do to have a healthy long life next we have berries now I don't know what it is but is, is it because they're aesthetically pleasing or what but for some reason any post that I see on social media that is about brain health has blueberries along with the post and like the posts aren't wrong blueberries any dark berries so blueberries blackberries grapes cherries I don't know what else there is but any dark colored berries are so good for your brain health a cup or two of these dark berries often not necessarily daily but often will give you a positive will have I should say a positive impact on your brain health why is that the chemical in the the dark berries is called I'm gonna I'm going to ruin this pronunciation but let's let's give it a go anyway athenoscience yeah that's right athenoscience so that's the chemical in these dark fruits that help reduce cognitive decline especially in elderly people which that's pretty impressive and they also enhance your memory and they reduce your insulin levels so high insulin levels have been related to greater risk of obesity, just general um, overweight bodies. So reducing your insulin levels is a great way to combat that, to help with weight loss. Now, I don't know a single human that doesn't like berries, <laughs> blueberries, blackberries, grapes, purple grapes, I'm talking. Um, but if you are the the special outlier that does not like them you can also supplement with blueberry extract now personally I've never had it I don't know how much of it you should consume but honestly my recommendation before supplementing would be just put them in a smoothie yeah you won't even know that they're there um, otherwise if you're like me I love berries like berries with yogurt just a handful of berries it's just the best especially in summer when they're super cold and crunchy just you can't keep me away from them <laughs> but yes consider adding them into your diet every couple of days and roughly a cup or two you can put them in a smoothie you can have them on yogurt you can have them they're a great snack um 
however you can get them in your diet, whatever's necessary for you to do that because they're going to help reduce cognitive decline. They're going to enhance your memory and they're going to reduce your insulin levels. So they may be small, but they are mighty. (laughs) Okay, the last nutrient that I have on my list today is glutamine. And you may have heard of it. It is an amino acid. And it is found in protein-rich foods like meat and cottage cheese. But it is also in quite a few plant-based sources that are high in protein. Like beans, spinach, cabbage. I can't think of any others off the top of my head. But I know that there's a long list of plant-based high-protein sources out there. So... Glutamine, amino acids, they help enhance your immune function, which we need a healthy immune system if we want to fight all of the gross germs that are around these days. It helps also helps offset your sugar cravings. So the neurons in your gut sense the amino acid content that comes into your gut. They also sense the fat content and they sense the sugar content. And then they signal to the brain if we have enough amino acids in the gut. And when the gut neurons sense that there is enough amino acids and that there is enough glutamine, they send signals to the brain of satisfaction, reducing the signal of hunger, known as ghrelin. So that is pretty amazing. So if you have a sweet tooth, let's say, Making sure that you are consuming enough protein-rich foods can actually help curve that sugar craving because the gut will tell the brain that we've got enough down here, we're satisfied, you can switch off ghrelin, we don't need any more food right now. So I think that that is super powerful because sugar isn't that great for the brain. I could probably do a whole episode on the brain and sugar. But if you can just help manage the sugar that you consume, I know it's very hard to cut out and you don't necessarily have to cut it out at all. But if you struggle with sugar cravings, then making sure you're eating enough protein and maybe eating protein first when you have your meals. So say you have, uh, I don't know, baked chicken and salad for lunch, eating a bit of chicken first is going to make sure that the protein, the glutamine, the amino acids get to your gut first and ultimately will signal to the brain sooner that you are full. So that is also a great way for weight management, hunger management, sugar craving management. It's just it's just a great little guy. But before we move on to the habits that I wanted to talk about, I just want to touch on hydration. Now, your brain is mostly water it's jiggly it's like jelly and it's if you were to touch it it's kind of moist and squishy not that I've touched a brain but I've watched videos of people touching brains there's a lot of water there now you can drink all of the water in the world but if you aren't having enough magnesium potassium and sodium you are just going to wee it out And it's not really going to be very beneficial. It's probably just going to give your kidneys more work to do than is necessary. So 
ideally, if you have a balanced, healthy diet, you should be getting enough magnesium, potassium and sodium into your diet. However, if you aren't sure or if you aren't, if you feel like you go to the toilet far too much, but you want to keep consuming water because your brain needs it, your brain loves water, it functions so much better with water. If you are even 3% dehydrated, it can negatively impact your brain's ability to function. Anyway, so if you wanted to add a supplement, Jack and I have been trialing a hydration supplement called LMNT. It's an American brand, but they are amazing. One, they have magnesium, they have potassium, they have sodium, and they are flippin' delicious. Like, it's like drinking cordial that's good for you or something. I don't know. But I highly recommend having them. Um, If you are someone that likes drinking alcohol on like a hot summer's afternoon or whatever for the taste and stuff like that, um, you could consider replacing every second alcoholic drink or even just alcohol in general with one of these supplements. That is how delicious they are. Anyway, so magnesium, potassium and sodium pass through the cell's fatty membrane and they allow your neurons to communicate. So if you are dehydrated, it can severely affect your mood, your memory, your attention and even your motor coordination. So your ability to do stuff with your body. So hydration is extremely important. Now, let's let's move things along because my stomach is grumbling. I'm quite hungry. <laughs> so let's just quickly touch on the worst things that you can do for your brain health. I don't know if I should have used the worst. Yeah, I'm going to use the worst. <laughs> so first is sitting too much. And for me, this is probably the one that I struggle with the most because my job is primarily sitting and uni uni is all sitting. But what happens is it changes a section in the brain responsible for memory. If you sit down for too long, your brain will struggle to form new memories, to recall memories. I don't want to dive too much into the science because I've been going for a while now. But one thing you can do to mediate this is set yourself a timer. Get get up from your desk every 15 to 30 minutes. Now, if you work in an office, it might be kind of hard. It might be a little awkward because, I don't know, people will be like, what is this man, woman or child doing? Why can't they sit down for longer than 30 minutes? But you're going to have a healthier brain than they will. You're going to have better memories, more memories than they will. So just set yourself a timer every 30 minutes. Go for a walk around the office, cuddle up, go to the bathroom, get a drink of water. Just stand at your desk. Why not try that? Do some squats or what did, what did we talk about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago? Um, soleus push-ups. So just little calf raises. Anything that you can do that prevents you from sitting for long, long periods of time, do it. Okay, the next one is a lack of social connection. So loneliness is linked to depression and also a higher risk of Alzheimer's and can also accelerate cognitive decline. So everything that we just spoke about 
in relation to nutrition to prevent all of those things I just listed, a lack of social connection is going to accelerate those things. Now, you don't necessarily have to have a large group of friends. I'm not telling you to go out and collect friends like they're Pokemon. I'm just saying that connection, I think, is the key part of a lack of social connection. So you want to have two to three friends that you feel like you can share anything with. Two to three friends that you you want to communicate with frequently and you enjoy communicating with frequently. They feel like you're fr- they are actually your friends. And I think with the whole COVID that's happened and the isolation that a lot of people are starting to accept loneliness and just believe that it's okay and I don't know on TikTok I see a lot of things about how people almost glorify being lonely and it's great if you can be by yourself like that is a very valuable human trait to have but at the end of the day we are humans and we evolved in tribes and groups and Biologically speaking, we need social connection. So, yes, just loneliness is linked to depression, a higher risk of Alzheimer's and can accelerate cognitive decline. So why not just reach out to your friends every now and then? Maybe maybe you need to do that more often. I, I think that I definitely do because I am a bit of an introvert myself. Okay. I'm going to talk about sleep again one more time. Last time for this episode, I promise you. So your cognitive skills such as memory, reasoning and problem solving will all decline if you sleep fewer than seven hours per night. Now, the recommendation is eight hours. Personally, I like eight and a half, nine. I would sleep for 10 if there were more hours in the day, but it's just not practical. So just set seven hours as your absolute minimum because even if you're in bed for seven hours I can guarantee you aren't asleep for seven hours so ideally you would give yourself an extra hour of time either go to bed an hour earlier or if you can wake up an hour earlier every day like I said in the beginning Um, because if you're giving yourself eight hours to be in bed you're probably going to get seven hours if you're giving yourself seven hours you're probably going to get six hours but like I already mentioned and I have many times before just try try and try your best to improve the quality of your sleep while you're in bed if you can't get much sleep if you have kids or you have crazy work hours or whatever just make the quality of your sleep as good as you possibly can So that means manipulating light, getting sun in your eyeballs in the morning, not getting light, too much light in your eyeballs at night, um, reducing your screen time, phone time, social media time, relaxing, don't watch TV in bed, don't go on your phone in bed, read a book instead of scrolling social media at night. Uh, I might do a full episode on sleep because there's just too much for me to, to put in this episode right now. Okay, next I have stress. Chronic stress can actually kill brain cells and it can shrink the prefrontal cortex, which is the area responsible for memory and learning. So you might have noticed if you are stressed that you forget things. You feel forgetful. 
it might be harder for you to focus, to concentrate, to retain new information. So I think one thing that most people will benefit from is trying to be flexible with your reactions. So generally your reactions are what cause you to stress over things. So I encourage you to ditch the my way or the highway mindset. I often struggle with this mindset myself. Um, if you are, if you have like a strong personality, it can be hard to not get frustrated or annoyed when people don't listen to you or they don't do what you expect them to do. Now, this my way or the highway mindset triggers negative reactions and it increases stress. So say, for example, I have a particular cupboard that all of the cups go in in the kitchen and Jack, for some reason, puts the cups on the wrong shelf, even though we've, we've lived in this house for six months and he knows what shelf the cups go on. Now, that would annoy me. And then I would probably let other small things throughout the day build on top of that and then by the by five o'clock I've got 26 little tiny things that didn't go my way and they're all annoying me and it's causing stress and the stress it compounds especially if you aren't releasing it talking about it writing it down something like that to get rid of it and like I said that's going to seriously impact your prefrontal cortex shrink your prefrontal cortex which is you don't want your brain to shrink we spend so many years of our early lives trying to grow our brain and shrinkage is one thing we definitely want to avoid so learning to manage your stress will be very beneficial one way of the many ways that you can do that is to try by taking two breaths in one long breath out this is scientifically proven to immediately reduce your stress levels. So try not to forget about it. When you're feeling stressed, when you feel like you want to get angry with someone, when things are just piling up, try two breaths in, one long breath out. And then just note how you feel. Okay, let's let's talk about alcohol. Uh, I did a while ago an episode with Jack on alcohol and how bad it is for you. And since I learned all of that information about the impacts that alcohol has, I have stopped drinking alcohol. And that is a very, very, very hard thing to do, especially when it is socially expected for you to enjoy alcohol and revolve your social life around alcohol. I'm not sure if it's just in Australia or every country, but if you want to do something with friends, it's almost like alcohol is the thing you do. You go out for dinner, you drink alcohol. You go to their house, you drink alcohol. You go around to visit, you drink alcohol. You go to a concert, you drink alcohol. You go, I don't know, every almost every social event involves alcohol. So I'm not going to lie when I say it's very hard to reduce your alcohol consumption or cut it out altogether because it is so socially normal to drink. But in saying that, alcohol acts as a poison. Our body treats it as a poison. 
and it leads to cellular stress and serious cellular damage. It impacts our neuronal function and changes our thinking and behavior. I don't know what it is, but everyone knows that when we drink, we behave differently. And now that I've stepped away from drinking so much and I have reflected on the ways that I behaved when I did drink alcohol in the past, it gives me shivers. (laughs) It gives me literal shivers about how I behaved because I had no control. Um... And that's just a, it's a scare for me personally that's a scary thing why do we keep going back to something that so severely dampens our thinking and our ability to speak well our ability to move our bodies correctly and our ability to make rational decisions i just cannot understand why we do it I don't know. I also can't understand why anyone would ever want to be hungover again in their life. Can I just say, not drinking alcohol, I wish, I wish, I'm only 25 guys, but I wish that I decided to cut out drinking alcohol sooner because it has changed my life, honestly. After a day of drinking, you know how you feel, well, hungover, likely anxious, depressed not motivated alcohol does all of those things and on over a long duration of regular consumption it increases inflammation stress neurodegeneration and cancer risk and it negatively impacts your gut microbiome your brain thickness your hormone balance your mood and your feelings of motivation So that's a lot, I know. If you are struggling with motivation, which I think is a very big problem at the minute, you will notice that there are quite a few things that I listed food-wise, habit-wise, that impact your motivation. You can't just rely on the feelings of motivation for you to eat well, to avoid alcohol, to get enough sleep, to exercise enough. Because motivation is that. It's a feeling. It comes and goes. Like sadness. Like happiness. You can't expect it to be there all of the time. However, you can encourage it to be there more often. By eating the right foods and doing the right things. Okay, so I have just said a lot of stuff for you guys. I'm going to quickly summarize everything. And then I'm going to wrap it up, okay? So the things that I want you to start including in your diet, essential fatty acids, so fatty fish, flaxseed, walnuts, chia seeds, choline, so eggs, eggs, eggs. Next, creatine from meat sources. Yes, I don't know why I had a mind blank then. And if not, then supplement with creatine. Creatine is fantastic. Next, we spoke about berries dark berries, blueberries, blackberries, cherries, dark grapes. And then glutamine, which is an amino acid, so primarily from protein-rich foods. And then the five habits that I wanted you to consider ditching or improving were sitting down for too long, social connection, sleep, stress, and alcohol. 
Okay, there was a lot of information in that episode. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I could have gone on so many different routes with this, but I tried to keep it simple and actionable. If you have any questions at all, please, I would absolutely love for you to send me a DM. You can find me on pretty much any social media platform at Mac underscore in situ. If you have any recommendations or anything that you want me to dive into in relation to brain health, mental health, women's health, also send me a DM with what you want to hear about. If you have lasted this long, thank you so much. You do not know how much I appreciate you. And I would also truly appreciate it if you could leave the podcast a five-star review, hopefully, and a small review. It really will help us reach more people. And of course, if you got anything at all from this episode, please share it. Share it on social media. Share it with someone who you think will benefit from the things that I shared with you today. Once again, thank you for being here. And I cannot wait to record my next solo episode. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Bye. Bye.